Hello and welcome to episode four of the Spoilt Ballots podcast. My name is Paul Stainton. And I'm Martin Curtis. And together we are stuck adrift on the centre ground of politics, as you probably know by now if you've listened to the other podcasts. Uh, we feel a little bit unloved by the left, who've gone further left, and the right, who've gone further right. And here we are, sensible people, we'd like to think, stuck in the middle, Martin. So, um, the day before the general election, the first one at Christmas since, I don't know, you were 12, and um, <laughs> and Boris is still ahead in the polls. Can you tell me how? Because it's been a calamitous week for him, hasn't it? I mean, it, it's an interesting... Because the more you think about this, the more you're absolutely baffled by it. But the reality is, the fact that the Conservatives are still in the poll, uh, still ahead, is about the fact that the Labour Party are so poor. And, and you know, the how thing, it's absolutely baffling at the moment because they, they have had a disastrous week. Labour haven't had a great week either. But, um, you, you know, the fact that Jeremy Corbyn is so el- unelectable is the reason. And, and, you know, made made clear by his own Shadow Health Secretary, John Ashworth, who <laughs> who was recorded by a Tory friend, uh, saying that Corbyn, you know, when you go to the constituencies in the north of England that are traditionally Labour, and places I grew up in, in South Yorkshire, you know, mining communities where, well, you, you would never have voted Tory. <laughs> Scargo was king when I was growing up, you know, and... Your, your eyes widen when you get older, obviously. But, you know, they're thinking of voting Tory because they can't stomach Jeremy Corbyn. This, and this is John Ashworth saying this. I mean, he's laughed it off as a joke, but that was no joke, was it? Well, no, and, and there's two things about this. First of all, you've got Labour minister, shadow ministers saying this sort of stuff. And, and I think that in itself is something. And obviously believing it. Well, absolutely. The, the issue, apart from the ex-friend, the issue... <laughs> For me, well, we think he's an ex-friend. Is, is, is about you know where politicians are with spin. Spin in the past used to be about saying things and turning things so that you're getting trying to create the best of a bad job effectively. What it's become is is obvious campaigns of deceit. So in this case, um, you know, the, the, they turn around and they say that he was joshing and you know it was a bit of banter and he wasn't being serious and all this stuff. And they turn that round with the spin. The rest of the world knows the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why bother? Yeah. Why bother? Why not just say, yeah, he got caught out. We're not, we're, you know, and and move on. And for or, me, it's you know, or sack him. Yeah, and, and well, that's what I would do. I would sack him, or I would take it on the chin. And as you know, you know, since since I left the BBC, I, I do a lot of media training, and that, my first, my first bit of media training is when you get caught with your pants down. Sometimes you've got to wave it about, and you've got mm. to take it on the chin. You've got to admit your mistakes and move on. You know, you've got to say, look, you know. It is what we're hearing on the doorsteps, or, you know, Corbyn has got to step in first and go, that guy's sacked. Um, But then again, is he just joshing for position, knowing that Corbyn's going to get sacked anyway? Well, well, Corbyn hasn't got the strength to sack him, and we know that. But but it's it's, um, the the big issue for me is the false messaging that comes out of it. And what happens is, you know, the tribalists, you know, the Labour Party supporters and everything else will endlessly repeat that and repeat it and repeat the fact that it was banter. Mm -hmm. Despite the fact that everybody knows it wasn't, but even and they must know it wasn't. Even they must know the truth is not there. Are they completely brainwashed? I think what you do is you convince yourself, and and you know that's not just a statement about the Labour Party. To be fair, because that's exactly what Conservatives do as well, and it's happened during this election. And we know, you know, the Conservatives are the most deceitful party in the election, according mm. to eighty-eight um, percent of what they've said is is untrue, uh, and. 
but but there are people that will tribalistically just repeat the party line and repeat the party line, even though people blatantly know it's untrue. And it just shows how broken politics are and how detached people are. That they think if they keep repeating this, somebody will think it's true. They don't. They sit there. What you're talking about? But that's why people have had enough, isn't it? That's why. Absolutely. That's why people feel this huge disconnect, like yeah. us, yeah. with politicians. And we started off talking about Labour there and John Ashworth and. You know his honest opinion of what people are saying in Yorkshire and mining communities and what have you, who are thinking of voting Tory, which is just remarkable. But also, it happened in Leeds at, at the hospital. You know, with you know the picture of the child on the floor, which was fact. Yep. And it was corroborated, and it had more than two sources. And you know, there's a there's a really nice piece in the Yorkshire Evening Post, old-fashioned reporting uh, today, that just says, look, beware of fake news. These are the facts of this case. Yes. And it breaks them down, old-fashioned journalistic standards. But it didn't stop the Conservative Party trying to deflect and claim there'd been a punch. And, and it's so stupid, because when the video came out of Matt Hancock in Leeds, it was, it was obvious, it was a matter of time, that you would see there was no punch. There was no... But this, this deflection... It's mm. self-defeating in my book. And, and there's also then, and I don't know where some of the false fake news stories um, that they tried, that, that were put out that tried to counter this. Mm. It's interesting. I'd love to know where they came from because I don't think they came formally from the Conservative Party. These bots it, with stories on Twitter and saying that, you know, nurses have said it wasn't true and all this. Yeah, yeah. and one of them was a nurse who apparently um, was, was tricked. Not a nurse, somebody with connections to a nurse who copied and pasted it. Mm. And that's how that repeated, and she had to delete a Facebook page as a result. Yeah, uh, and and but but I'd love to know where they did originate from, and whether they did originate from party machines and were pushed out through nefarious means. Russia. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, yeah. Uh, apparently, a lot of Jeremy's documents have come from not Russia. Quite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of money for the Tory yeah. Party comes from Russia, so uh, Russia's having a hand as usual yeah. in politics. Uh, I, but but it, it, it's just. Um, It'd be interesting to find out, and I suspect sometime after the election, some of that will come out. Um, I, I hope it does, because we do deserve to know the, know the truth. Because if we're going to deal with this fake news agenda, we've got to get underneath where it comes from. I, I know with the, with the Labour Party, a lot of the fake news stuff comes from um, from Labour supporting sites like Another Angry Voice and uh, and whatever. We know they come from some of them. Um, that's probably a bit unfair on them. They would say they're not fake news. I think they certainly stretch the truth. Mm. But it's happening on all sides, and it's very, yeah. it is very difficult for um, members of the public, I think, you know, genuine members of the public, to determine real news from fake news. And, th and that's another thing that plays into this disillusionment with mm. politics, because... I tweeted something the other day. Is I'm just fed up with it. I'm fed up with trying to decipher what's real and what's not. And even the BBC and ITV got suckered into the, the hospital thing. Laura Koonsberg and Robert Peston both claiming they'd got two sources on the story, which, you know, an hour later was completely disproven. Yeah, and, and it's a problem because people then don't know what to believe and they don't know. So when you've got, um, you know, the, the fact that Boris Johnson is, is and, and the Conservative Party are spreading fake news and, uh, you know, 80, 88% of their stories are false, um, people don't know whether to believe that or not. And, you know, there's a big issue. And I, I don't know if you've seen this morning, Plaid Cymru, um, a guy called Adam Price from Plaid Cymru has said that he's going to introduce a bill in the next parliament 
I presume that requires him to get elected first. But, yes. um, you know, which is going to prevent politicians from lying legally. And, and it's based on the basis that um, uh, we've got um, consumer protection acts, which protect consumers from yeah. from the behaviour of corporate, uh, corporate, you know, corporate Britain. And and what he's saying is we need an equivalent to protect people from politicians. We need to be protected from our politicians. And that's, that's how far we've dropped. That's the problem. <laughs> it's probably needed yeah. if you can find something that, that can work. Led by donkeys. But it's very, very sad that it's needed. Does it Does it upset you? Uh, as a, mm. and uh, you know, I'm not blowing smoke up your bottom because we've had some some interviews over the years mm. on the radio, and we've disagreed, and yeah, you know, you've been held to account by me and others. Yeah. Um, but does it disappoint you as as what I would describe as a a well-meaning, um, truthful politician in in Cambridgeshire? Does, yeah. does it upset you? Oh it, no, it does a lot. Uh, um, I, I, because I care about politics, but but I care about politics being better more than I do about a political party at the moment. Uh, and and uh, you know I, I was caught out by you guys with I, I want I put out a tweet that was pretty nasty about uh, a UKIP guy, um, and it was a pre- tweet that was supposed to be a private message, and you guys caught me out, mm. and I didn't try and spin my way out of it. I told them the background as to why that tweet was sent and everything else, and it was all about um, uh, a conversation I was having with somebody by private message on Twitter about how to get rid of him because people were sick of him. Um, but it was pretty nasty, and and I, you know, you guys held me to account. And what I didn't do was try and waffle my way around it. You know, yeah, okay. You know, you can't. Cool. No, and uh, you have to be a normal person. No, quite. and you have to come across as a normal person. The interview with Boris Johnson, um, and I think it was the guy from Calendar in Yorkshire, uh, regarding that picture of the little boy um, on mm. the floor in in that Leeds hospital. The interview where he took the phone off the reporter and put it in his pocket. He eventually looks at the picture, but he offers no empathy. Um, he, he offers no um, you know, word at all to that family. You know, The first thing I would say to him, if I was training him or training anybody, is that, first of all, show some empathy, show your care, and then go on to talk about get Brexit done and all that rubbish. You know, but he... And even, I think even Margaret Thatcher, mm. at her hardest would have looked at that picture and shown some empathy, fake or not, mm. and, and, and at least come across as a human well, being. I think Margaret Thatcher would have taken that picture and she'd gone off and shouted at a civil servant. It's actually what I think would have happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, any, or, you know, Tony yeah. Blair, any, you know, yeah, any Labour politician with, with a, a bit of uh, nouse. Absolutely. And there's a real danger. Is so, he not a human? Is he, is he a well, robot? He looks like a robot. He looks like a womble. Well, throw a few stats in there. And, you know, old, old Etonian Prime Minister... Um, between Harold Wilson and John Major, every single Prime Minister went to a state school. Since John Major, not a single one has. Well, there you go. That's and, what's wrong with politics. Uh, well, and and you, you relate that back to this incident. You've got an old Etonian looking at a picture of a, of a child in absolutely dire, desperate mm. circumstances and shows absolutely no empathy at all. And then you've got somebody that actually has never struggled in his life, never seen a real life. Who is uh, you know you know and and that's what people are seeing when they see that picture mm. is somebody that doesn't care because he doesn't know what real life is about. 
but they're all the same, aren't they? They've all got massive houses or second houses. They're all well off. Jeremy Corbyn's well off. You know, it, 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 you know, John McDonald's well off. He's got two or three houses. You know, they're all pretty yeah. well, you know, wedged, aren't they? Yeah, being well off isn't the issue, though. But but they don't know what it is to struggle. Well, no, I agree. With you know, that. they've never. Yeah. I mean, I had a business mm. with my wife in two thousand and eight. We lost it because of the crash. We had to struggle. Yep. You know, I know what it's like to yep. to walk around little with five pound in your pocket and think, how do I stretch this? How yep. do I? Oh, carrots are on offer this week, or peas are on offer, or whatever. Yep. I'll get them and I'll make something. You know, they don't know that. But but it's also true that there are many many people that um, don't see hope in their lives, and politicians don't understand that either. Mm. And that is the most desperate thing of all of it. Well, how to instill it. No, absolutely. And that's why this breakdown of, of, of what where we are as a country in terms of how the balance between parliament and local decision-making needs to change as well. But, but it's um, that, that lack of an understanding of a real life. When people look at parliament as a body, they want to see their own lives reflected back at them. Mm. And increasingly they don't. You know, another stat. This is I'm gonna mention the book. It's a book called Little Platoons by a guy called David Skelton. That's fascinating, yeah. And it's about um it's about one nationism and how one nationism can save the North and, and save um, and, and rebuild the North. And it's a really, really fascinating book. But you know, another stat where eighty-four percent of um members of parliament went to university, only one third of our uh, the population of the UK went to university. And it again shows this disconnect. Mm, mm. Uh, and, you know, so where people are growing up in deprived areas and they don't see hope, they don't see the ability to, to, to turn the lives around. Um, um, politicians don't understand it. You know, even Labour politicians that are supposed to represent these areas, they're not, they don't have those working class roots for, for the most and um, most of the time, they're not from those areas. No. That's the other problem, I think. That that people, when I was growing up, my my, you know, in Labour areas, mm. you know, in South Yorkshire and, and mining villages, you, you looked at your politicians, and they were from within. Yeah. Now people are parachuted in, you know, and and, and generally speaking. Politicians don't come from the area that they're asking people to vote. Yeah, for. there's there's one or two, there one one or two, but but the Labour Party traditionally used to promote into Parliament through the unions, and they mm. don't do that anymore. Um, uh, um, and I would argue that the state of the unions means that's probably a good thing. But um, but you would say, <laughs> but, but yeah, I would. But 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 the reality the reality is though that at least that was a route from somebody with a local connection. I am not totally sold on the idea of a local connection. I do want somebody with some local empathy and, and, and an understanding of what the issues are. Um, you, you know, and you know where we're from in Cambridgeshire, you know, it, it's nowhere near the deprivation you get elsewhere, but places like Wisbeach, we have been talking about how to solve the deprivation and issues in Wisbeach for over 20 years. But when you start trying to move it forward, all you get is a lack of understanding about why you need mm. to invest in Wisbeach from other politicians who so, live in Cambridge or or Ely or somewhere quite affluent you or know, March, yeah, or March, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is yeah, is nothing yeah. like mm. you know some of the places in Wisbeach, which is nothing like Rotherham, Hartlepool, yeah. mm. places like that where yeah. you know there's real, real deprivation. Oh, absolutely, and and it, it, you know those issues, and and that is the thing that people should care about because solving that issue. Um, makes Britain a great place. Mm. Not only because you've got less deprivation and you've got more hope and more aspiration, 
but because you've actually you'll have a com a country that's growing economically and growing across across the the breadth of it instead of in the southeast and London. And you look at you know the figures that have been bandied around this week about the amount of road building and the amount of infrastructure um, development that's been in the south of England compared to the amount that there's been in the north. And you start realizing that actually you know we're not. Um, uh, we're not giving hope to people because we're not investing in them. Well, I remember when the M18 was built as a kid because I lived in Moor Ends near Thorn, and it goes right past. And I remember standing on a bridge, you know, um, trying to spit on cars. It's an awful habit, but you know, there was a car every 15 minutes, you know, back then. Uh, but I think that's the last motorway that opened in Yorkshire. Yeah, I can't think. And, and I was 11, and I'm 53 mm. now. That's 42 years ago. Yeah, you know. But it, it, let me take you back to, to to the whole point of this podcast: the centre ground and mm. the fact that nobody's there. For me, you know, we've got car crash politics at the minute. I've got a car going left mm. that's that's going to crash the economy. It's going to bankrupt the country. And uh, who knows what with Jeremy Corbyn driving? And I've got a car to the right with Boris who's going to get Brexit done, he's going to crash the economy, whatever, come what may, and who knows what else the, the idiot's going to do. You know, and, and there's, there's nobody in the middle. Whereas I, what I want is, is somebody in the middle to say, we do need to do a bit more spending, like Jeremy, we do need to spend more on the North, and we do need to get Brexit done, and we need to get it finished and sorted. I need somebody to pull these policies together and have a bit of this and a bit of that, and, and do what's right for everyone without bankrupting the country. I go back to a message I've probably repeated on every episode of our podcast. <laughs> PR. Uh, well, and PR, and it is PR, but but it's about the fact that if you, with one of the things that would come with PR is a spread of political parties. You'd get more political parties emerging, and you would you would enable change in politics. You convinced me. So as, as, as a party dies, something else will take its place. What happens at the moment is as a party dies, um, another wing of the party takes it over, which is what's happened within the Conservative Party and within the Labour Party. Mm, which is why they've veered off. Uh, absolutely. But also, people would learn to compromise because you would have to work in coalitions. And it works successfully abroad. You know, I, and I, you know, I've, I've been posting a bit of this online and people always come back and say, well, Belgium had three months without a government because of PR. And, uh, you know, Germany you know, spends ages negotiating the government. While they negotiate those governments, those countries don't fall apart. No. And yes, Germany's struggling a little bit at the moment. But if you look at what Germany's done since the war, actually, it's been an economic success. No two ways about it. All of that economic success using PR and a really, really effective regionalised governmental government system as well. Yeah, and, and a bit of honesty in their politics because more people pay more tax for more spending. And the yep. same in France. And whatever Jeremy Corbyn mm. says, it will not be the top 5% who pay more tax in this country because he keeps referring to the German and French models. And he he's disingenuous because in Germany and France, the vast majority of people have agreed to pay more tax to fund more services. Be honest. Ask us, will we fund more services by paying more tax? Yep. Don't lie to us mm. and tell us only 5% because by the time you've hammered companies, hammered small companies like mine for more corporation tax and lots of others, you know, there'll be nothing left. Um, my fear is that whatever the outcome of the election, 
disillusionment is going to be the result because you're going to have Boris saying get Brexit done and we're going to have Brexit dragging on for another year, another two years, another three years actually before we physically leave the EU. Mm. Get all those deals signed off. Start yeah. contributing, stop contributing to the EU and, 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 and stop having to abide by EU rules. Or on the other hand, you've got Jeremy Corbyn who's saying tax rises for the rich only who will have to raise taxes massively. Can't be funded that way. It's impossible. No, absolutely. So either way you go, people are going to be disillusioned. Yeah. Because they've been told uh, lies. Yeah, absolutely. And and all that's going to happen is um, you're going to get more and more disillusionment and, and the two political parties will stay either side and, and just shout at each other when the reality is you need somebody sat in the middle trying to make... There's a danger happen. there as well, isn't there? When people become disillusioned with politics, mm-hmm. history teaches us valuable lessons that, you know, lunatics get in. You know, yep. if, we, if we go all the way back, you know, to, to 1920s Germany, mm. people were very disillusioned, very disillusioned with politics, very disillusioned with the system, and voted for radical change. Absolutely. And, and that's a danger, isn't it? Mm. Uh, no, no it, it absolutely is a danger. So we're already living in a country where people are attacking each other constantly on social media. Yeah. You know, it, it wouldn't take much for a clever mm. lunatic to take uh, advantage no, of I've, I've made it, and, and that's one of the reasons why we have to leave the EU. Because because that sort of clever lun- lunatic could emerge as a result of the disillusionment from mm. 50% of the politicians, uh, for, for, sorry, from 50% of the country, if Britain don't leave the EU. Um, you know, all it takes is one clever man to emerge and exploit that. Um, you know, uh, Nigel Farage isn't that, but Nigel Farage is really, really good at exploiting that disillusionment. Mm. And, and I'm not saying Nigel Farage is that lunatic, but he is a character that is able to do that. All it takes is somebody with more nefarious sort of thoughts than than, than that, uh, and you've got a problem. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's also true that, you know, the disillusionment in the North is, is another driver for that as well. And um, that's increasingly starting to um, starting to emerge as well. That You know, some of it is, is, you know, in the anti-conservative rhetoric. And the Conservative Party has to ask itself... Why is it that people have such hatred of the party in the North? Why exactly why is it that, that people cannot bring themselves to vote Conservative, however disastrous the Labour Party are? Because I suppose when you're living in that level of deprivation, when you don't see hope, you, you see two separate countries. You, you, you look down from the North and see a kind of affluent South and South East. You see the money being spent down there, and you see who's spending it. And that is exactly what One Nationism is about. So One Nationism derives from a book called The Two Nations by Disraeli. And that is exactly what the two nations are. The nation of haves and a nation of have-nots. And One Nationism is about bringing that together. Yeah. Um, so, no, absolutely, 100%, that's, that's exactly what it is. Well, let's hope a lunatic doesn't emerge. Let's hope somebody emerges on the centre ground. And, and you know... A, a, I keep mentioning Tony Blair because it's an easy reference point. I, I, I understand he turns a lot of people off because of the Iraq war, but let's go before that. Yep. A man who united that centre ground, a man who united the country. 97, you know, huge landslide. That's what this country needs at the moment, isn't it? It needs somebody to rise up in the centre, and it's not the Liberal Democrats at the moment, but it needs somebody to do that and, and bring forward some sensible one-nation mm-hmm. policies that cover the whole country and includes everybody. But but it's got to be radical, and, and I think I, we finished the last pod, podcast with me making a point that part of the reason 
a, a number of younger sort of the university grad type um, profile in the UK have turned to the Labour Party is because they recognise that we need radical. Mm. And they've seen the Labour Party as radical and turned there. But actually, yes, we need radical. But it's got to be the right radical. And, and affordable. And that, no, absolutely. And uh, but, but the point about Blair, Tony Blair emerged at a time when politics needed a leader and it needed change. Margaret Thatcher emerged at a time when politics needed a leader and needed change. And we've always had that. When that person has been needed, you would argue Churchill was the same guy in the Second World War. Um, every time somebody has emerged. and But at the moment, we've got politics where that is needed and nobody's come out of anywhere. Well, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, please emerge soon. Please. Because we're possibly going to have five years of Boris Johnson at the moment. I mean, because he is still ahead in the polls. How is that possible? I asked that question at the start. Is it because, despite everything, despite the guffaws, the gaffes, the JCB driving through a wall yesterday, which was awful, the advert, which parodies Love Actually, which is awful, you know, um, Jack Merrick's dad uh, yeah. accusing him of, of making political capital out of his son's death at London Bridge. I thought that was a poignant moment yesterday. But none of that appears to be cutting through to any great extent, is that because his message of get Brexit done is cutting through more? No, that's absolutely right. I mean, part of it is the Labour Party's message on Brexit is all over the place. Um, and, you know, that that is an issue. But it's also true that that message, people desperately want us to get past Brexit so we can move on. There's two things that are a danger with that, Real two real serious things. The first one is Brexit isn't going to get done tomorrow. It's not going to get done by the end of January. And as soon as people wake up to that, we've got a problem. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> That's panto season, isn't it? After all, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it has been for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's that real danger that that's the case, but um, there's there's also you made me lose my track now. Um, Get Brexit done is is cutting through yeah. with a huge swathe of people. It must be yeah. to, to 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 be putting to one side all the gaffes with mm-hmm. Boris. They must be thinking, well, we're going to get Brexit done, so I'll vote. I'll still vote for Boris. Yep. Even though he's unpopular, and you know his popularity, okay, they're not as un- he's not as unpopular as Corbyn, and again, that's another factor. But his popularity rating compared to any other incoming PM, um, you know, is is is, is pretty low. Mm. Um, but as I said to you, it's voting for the least worst option. Yeah. Uh, you know, the worst, the least worst car crash. And that's what I refuse to do. <laughs> Hence the name of our oh, podcast. Here we are again. Yeah, I know. And, but but it is true, isn't it? I mean, yeah. who would you rather be in a car crash with, Jeremy or Boris? That's your choice. <laughs> I mean, what a choice. It's bonkers, isn't it? It, it, it is It is just, it is absolutely nuts. And the other, the other thing that I would say is with Boris, there is another danger that we, if he gets a small majority, in a year's time, we are going to be back to where we were under the worst days at the end of May. At the at Theresa May, I mean, yeah, rather yeah. than the month of May. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In that, I know that there are a number of Conservative MPs who are sat quietly um, obedient but concerned. You know and, this how because you've got uh, friends. Well, in the conversations party. I had at party conference, right. as an example, you know, a couple of uh, two or three MPs I've spoken to. So they're prepared f- to bide their time, see yeah. see what happens. If, if they don't they're, like it, they'll strike. And they're willing to buy into the get Brexit done message. 
The danger is what we went through before, the deal or no deal thing, is what's coming again at the end of this year or whenever it is that we get close to a trade deal. And there is a danger that those same MPs will look at that and say, I am not having no deal because it means a recession and I'm not supporting a recession. And nor should they. It's not conservatism to support recession. Mm. Um, and, and so what we end up then again is Parliament not able to make decisions. And so there is a danger that even under, under, um, uh, under Boris, we're going to end up in the same situation as we were at the end of May's time. And possibly another election, if he loses yep. enough people. <laughs> That's all we need, isn't it? Another, yeah. another election. I mean, a lot of that depends on two things. It depends on how strong MPs want to be. Uh, because they always threat that these threats of deselection and all th- all these things focus the mind as well, mm. um, and so I you know I I know of at least one MP who told me the only reason he's supporting Brexit is because he'll get deselected if he doesn't, um, you know as an example. So it depends on that, but it, it also depends on what sort of majority he gets. But well, I mean the polls are tightening as they yeah. tend to do, don't they, as you get yeah. closer to an election, mm. but. You know, if we believe the polls, he's he's possibly going to have a majority of 50, 60, maybe slightly more than that. You know, so he, he will have enough to yeah. get stuff done. But like you said, if he comes back from his negotiations in a year's time mm. and, you know, he says, I don't like the deal, yeah. let's let's do no deal, then well, then we yeah. hit that, that well, buffer again, don't we? The MRP poll this morning said, said uh, it was a majority of 28. And you don't know with polls at the moment. There's so many reasons why you can't trust polls, partly because of the way politics has, has changed a little bit, uh, a lot. Um, but it's not just that. There's so many undecided voters in this yeah, election, absolutely. aren't there? I mean, you know, if, if they all decided to go one way, which they probably wouldn't, but if they did, you know, any party could get... Well, Labour or Conservatives could get in. And, and it's also, you know, who, who are the people that are not going to turn out? Who are the people that are going to do what I'm going to do and turn up and write a nice little message? Well, let's have a look at the weather tomorrow, because it's, if it's, the weather's bad... Um, it's apparently going to be miserable, so I've heard. Oh, dear. So if the weather's... Let, let's have a look in Cambridge see what the weather's going to be. Mm, yeah, cloudy with rain, mm. you know, eight degrees. So potentially older yeah. people are not going to come out to vote. Uh, traditional yeah. tourism. Yeah, perhaps? a lot of older people have had postal votes, and the Conservative Party are very, very good at arranging and making sure that people have got postal votes. So are the Labour Party, aren't they? They're very but good at arranging that. Historically, people... they have been in in Peterborough, but um, yeah, it, it's. It, but it, so I'm not sure. I mean, there is historically this uh, myth that flows around in the Conservative Party that Labour voters don't turn out in the rain. Um, I. I'm not sure how true that is, although the first time I was elected, um, I, you know, I won by two votes. This is just as a town councillor on, on, a, on a snowy day in January in a by-election. So um, you were very thankful for the weather at that point. Quite, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it's, it, it's incredible, isn't it, that, you know, we're a, we're a day before the election mm. and uh, we're still here, we're still undecided. Uh, Boris is still ahead in the polls, despite everything. Uh, and we've we've sat here for for half an hour talking about what's happened this week, and we've not mentioned uh, the Liberal Democrats hardly. We've not mentioned the Brexit Party. We've not mentioned the Greens. Their messages are just nowhere, are they? They're just not cutting through no. in the slightest. The, and the Lib Dems, the Lib Dems have um, have really, really underperformed in this election. This was their real, opportunity, yeah, wasn't it? This election absolutely, absolutely was. Um, but the reality is, uh, I don't think people know what they stand for, uh, um, and, and I think that's difficult. 
because they, they, they're not a liberal democracy as a party. They're not that anymore. They're a party that takes opportunism from picking up on, on uh, picking up voters from, from large minorities. You know, Brexit, they went for the 48% option, is a great example, because they know... Well, they, they didn't go get... for it cleverly, did they? They went for mm. revoke Article 50, which is always going to annoy... It's probably even going to annoy some people that want to remain. You know, if they if they just said, look, we're going to have another vote, as simple as that, we're going to have another vote, and here's some other policies, well, we will spend a bit more, we will do this, mm. you can't trust him, you can't trust him, uh, vote for me. But I don't, I don't think Joe Swinson's got what, what it takes no. to, a, a cle- to beat, you know, a- Boris the Cockwomble and, and Jeremy the you know, the left of centre car crash driver. So a a clever person looking at the Lib Dems policy of revoke Article 50 would know how divisive that would be. And when you've got that compared to the Labour Party, where at least they're guaranteeing a second referendum, they would say, OK, I want to leave, but I don't want the chaos that comes with just revoking Article 50. They're going to go for the Labour Party, aren't they? Yeah, so a a huge misstep from the Lib Dems. Joe Swinson, can she carry on if they only get 12, 13 seats or 14 seats? I think if they make a bit of progress, she'll carry on. And I, I hope that's the case because um, I don't think she's had a great election, but I do think that um, she's a work in progress. And, you know, she's, she's young, she's, she's not a, a great deal of time as, as the Lib Dem leader. And I think having been through this experience, she'd be stronger afterwards. Brexit party on the floor you know, nationally with polling. Are they done? Are they finished? Yeah, I think what we'll see is a, a drift of Brexit Party members back to the Conservative Party. Is it the end of Farage? <sighs> Farage is now talking about creating another party or <laughs> renaming the Brexit Party right. as something else and, 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 and using it as a driver for change. And the trouble is he's going to try and drive change from the right. And, uh, and that is quite unhealthy. It's not what the country needs, is it? We've no. said all along. He's not listening. <laughs> Nigel, listen to us. Drive but, it from the he, middle. But he is naturally of the right. Yeah. Um, and he's also a man that, again, doesn't understand um, you, you know, what you know, uh, you know, what the ex-steelworker in concert thinks about the world. No, he's a former investment banker who's been a politician for, for quite a long time. Yeah. Uh, much as he tries to play the anti-establishment card, he's Absolutely. been part of it for a very long time and he's yeah. very rich. Yeah. Um, and so here we are, uh, back to the two main parties then, day before the election. I'm not going to ask you to predict, because I'll predict. This is what I think. I think Boris is going to get in. Mm. I think he's going to get in and have about a majority of 40 or 50. That's my, my feeling. Um I can't vote for it for, for the Conservatives because of him. Mm. Um, Jeremy Corbyn is, is going to lose some votes in the North, uh, which is going to cause his resignation. Then the Labour Party will be left looking for a new leader. Um, that's where I think we're going to end up on Friday morning, my 53rd birthday. Um, I'm glad I'm not on the radio overnight as I would have been a few years ago. Uh, so, so on your 53rd birthday, you're predicting majority of 53, is that? Well, let's go with that. Yeah, it's a nice <laughs> symmetry about it. Yeah, I, I think you will end it with the majority. But I think, I, it's, like you said, I, I think it's by far less certain what the future holds. It, it will not give us a clear course. It mm. will be incredibly rocky for, for the next year I, or I, two. I think it will be a majority of somewhere between 10 and 20. Um, you just don't know at the moment, but the Conservative Party press has, you know, the, the bad press they've had and deserved has got to have an impact some time or another. And there's a big thing about... I hear a siren. Are they coming yeah. to take us away? <laughs> <laughs> 
They don't agree. There's a funny thing about elections where people say that there are a huge number of people that don't make their mind up until they sit in that polling booth with a ballot paper in front of them. That's why part of, one of the reasons parties have tellers with rosettes on is because they want the last thing you see before you go into that into into that um, uh, a, a polling station is a blue rosette for exactly that reason. There's other reasons as well, but but that that basically is, is one of them. Um, and and you know you then have to think who are those people going to vote for. And my gut instinct is they're not going to vote Conservative because the Conservative Party have lacked so much empathy oh, during this campaign uh, and, 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 and previously as well. And you, um, Heidi Allen, um, who I have a huge amount of time for, and the reasons she left the party were all about the fact that she was warning the party about the impact that Universal Credit was having and they were just ignoring her. And and so I, I can't see people putting across in a conservative box in those circumstances. Let's spin it round. Let's 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 say Jeremy Corbyn gets in. He's got a majority of twenty or thirty or whatever. Does Boris quit? Yes. Yeah, and who to. takes over? He's got to. Who uh, who steps up? I, I I really don't know at the moment. It's really really hard to say. I'd love to see somebody step up from from nowhere and come through. Um, who would be the best person to lead the Conservatives if Boris has gone? I heard a couple of mutterings um, in the previous leadership election about a guy who, I don't know if you remember, but a guy called Graham Stewart, who was a former county councillor in Cambridgeshire mm. and is now the Member of Parliament for Beverley. That he would emerge. Place I know well. Yeah, I, I know Beverly reasonably well. But um, yeah, it's, and and there was talk of him coming forward and putting himself forward and almost coming coming up as a candidate, sort of from nowhere to actually win the elect to, to win the leadership, and and something like that appeals to me because I, I'm really struggling. Is he centrist? Um, relatively so. Most people that come into Parliament, having been a councillor, are relatively centrist because they see. And, and they've dealt with things like I mm. have to do with children in care, adult social care, and stuff like that. Real so, people, yeah. Um, so, I something like that makes a lot of sense to me because Boris losing um, would also be a sign that um, the, the current Conservative Party establishment has failed. So Corbyn, Corbyn loses. Mm. He goes. Yeah. Who would you? see taking over the Labour Party or have momentum got such a grip that John McDonnell would just carry on with what they're doing? My fear is that the momentum dominate and own the Labour Party at the moment and so it would be one of their own. Whether it could be John McDonnell or not, I don't know. Who would be the best person other than somebody like that? Who have Labour got? I don't know who they have anymore. The Centrist... It's it's really hard to see where they are. John Ashworth. Um it's really tough because a number of them have left the party. Um, you know, and you've got some of the old guys that should have done it years ago. Alan Johnson is an example. David Miliband is another one. They just don't have those people anymore. Um, those two would have been great. Ed Miliband might have been good in this election. He might not have he been. He might have won them. Uh, well, uh, he certainly would not have been uh, as far behind as Corbyn is. All right. So uh, who's going to win? A conservative majority of 10 plus, I think. That's what I think too. But it doesn't matter what we think, it's how you vote. Uh, happy voting. Enjoy, because it's a, it's a difficult choice. Can I just add to that? Whatever yeah. people do, vote. 
make sure you go out and vote. And and I, what I mean by that is turn up at your polling station, otherwise I'm a real <laughs> hypocrite, because I'm turning up and I'm going to spoil my ballot. And I don't know what to do. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with the Spoiled Ballots podcast. Goodbye.